Hey guys, what's up? It is Ryan. Uh, I am podcasting solo this week. Uh, Kevin is still on a little working vacation in France. He'll be back for the preview episode, which we are recording later in the week. But in the meantime, we are doing um, we are doing the solo episode just for me for the review uh, for the Indiana Ohio State's twenty-three to three win over Indiana. Uh, this one, I believe, is a free episode. So if you're listening to this, please subscribe to me at midfield.com. You guys heard me talk about this. I don't think we have any uh, crazy amount of new listeners this week after uh, a win like that. Kind of a boring start to the season. Uh, but I'm going to go through the group's position by position kind of review them. A quick couple notes, I guess, at the top on Indiana, uh, the game itself. I was... <clears throat> I think really impressed with the defense and the way they performed uh, to start off uh, against the year. Um, held Indiana to just a, you know a little over 130 total yards in the game. Um, really, really strong performance in the defense. I, I think the offense obviously left quite a bit to be desired, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here momentarily. Um, but yeah, I want to get into the position position. I'm going to review the snap counts um, from uh, from the game, uh, courtesy of PFF. Uh, not that we're the biggest fans of theirs, but <laughs> you guys the deal. Uh, let's go through this. We'll start with the quarterbacks here. Um, so, Kyle McCord, uh, 20 of 33, 239 yards and interception. Devin Brown, 1 of 3 for negative 2 yards, um, which is obviously not thrilling. Uh, McCord had 2 carries for 8 yards. He was not sacked on the day. Uh, Brown had the 1 carry for negative 3 yards in his first series. I think that was the 4th overall series of the game. Uh, PFF had it here at 64 snaps for Kyle McCord, 6 for Devin Brown, uh, just 70 total snaps for the offense, which is obviously a little bit short. Um, I think we've talked about the rotation a fair bit here coming in, and just to say it was fairly fairly idiotic is the best way I would describe it. Um, you know, Brian Day said after the game they were planning to get Devin Brown uh, reps in a drive on the third and fifth possessions of the game. Um, they and, but didn't want to pull him uh, to affect Kyle's confidence after an Ohio State three and out in the previous possession. So instead they waited until the fourth possession to give Devin Brown his first drive uh, after Kyle McCourt through interception. Um, not quite sure I understand the internal logic on that one uh, or the decision-making. But it is a Ryan Day team, so we kind of come to expect this. There's not much internal logic on personnel choices. It kind of just is what he decides at the moment. Uh, there's no feel for that from him. In my opinion, it's very impressive. It's just kind of just whatever his given thoughts at the moment are, which are not usually very trustworthy. Uh, when Denver Brown did come in, he they ran the ball three consecutive times uh, with him. First two from running backs, third by him on third down. Uh, that looked like getting uh, three yards for Mayan, six yards for Mayan, uh, three yards for Ohio State. Uh, and going three and out, then punting. Sorry, negative three yards for Devin, then punting. Um, pretty bizarre performance there overall, I think, for the quarterbacks. You know, Kyle McCord had a, had a nice throw to Marvin on a play that was ultimately waved off on a legal touching uh, when Marvin had a bounce. Besides that, did not make many impressive throws in the day. Um, I didn't see much out of him in terms of confidence, in terms of reading the offense, in terms of pushing the ball downfield that you want to see for Ohio State starter. Uh, I thought it was pretty basic performance there, just a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short routes. Um, I don't. I would be fairly surprised that was the game plan for him. That's not really how Ohio State has treated new quarterbacks in the past. Uh, seems like kind of a departure from previous performances. So I have to imagine that maybe something from Kyle himself. Uh, they're trying to get him to settle in and perform here. Um, he did not perform well, in my opinion, on Saturday. Um, a frustrating result overall. I, I think, however, we have gained clarity uh, both from you know Day's commentary. During the game, the actual way they handle the quarterback decisions, and now Day's comments to the presser uh, just today as I'm recording this, uh, based on what they're expecting from McCord, uh, it seems pretty obvious this will be a, a, a pretty done 
uh, quarterback battle. I, I think unless McCord is truly terrible the next two weeks, going to Notre Dame or plays poorly against Notre Dame, I think this battle is pretty much over. Uh, Kyle McCord is the starter. Um, he obviously has a lot of room to improve on, which we will watch throughout the season. Um, other than that, we go to the running backs here, uh, the official running back statistics of the day. You had Chip Trey Annum take eight carries, 57 yards, an average of 7.1 yards per carry. Trey Henderson took 12 for 47, an average of 3.9 per carry. Maya Williams took seven carries, 25 yards, an average of 3.6 yards per carry, and also had those two touchdowns. Uh, on the snap counts, it was Trey for 34 snaps, Mayan for 24, or sorry, rather, Mayan for 15, and Ship for 24. Uh, and Hayden took three snaps. Uh, he did not carry the football uh, on the day. Um, look, man. I'm appreciative of the fact that Henderson is coming back from injury and still getting a feel for this game. But I, I cannot say I was very impressed from him. There were several comments talking about how frequently he was hit in the backfield, which is quite fair to say he, the blocking for Trey, for whatever reason, he, he was kind of a victim of some poor blocking on his reps more frequently than the other ones. Um, however, I think just the patience, the feel, the vision that Chip showed off when he was getting the carries um, – it's just night and day difference from what Trey provides, right? Uh, people talk about Trey as the explosive back or the home run hitting back, but as Bill Landis uh, has pointed out multiple occasions, you know, or maybe it's not Bill, maybe I'm miscrediting Bill here, but other folks have pointed out that he needs everything to be perfect to hit a home run, right? He needs like a, a Mack truck-sized hole from the offensive line. He needs to not be touched until he's 10 yards into the play. Uh, I don't really see what Trey provides to this offense that is not provided by everyone else. Uh, Chip has enough speed, not elite speed, but enough. Uh, I think Mayan is better in short yardage. You know, fights for more yardage, falls forward. Uh, Trey squares guys up to hit them, like to prove he's, I, I don't know, to prove he's toughness or something, to prove he's not afraid of contact. But I, I don't recall the last time I saw Trey make a man miss in the hole uh, or do anything on his own that is not just him running fast in a straight line. Um, essentially when a hole is provided for him. I have to hope that this this balance changes going forward. I think we saw Trey barely kind of touch the rock in the second half, which to me is, is fairly telling. It seems like it's going to be Chip's job going forward. Maybe I'm just hoping that, but I, I think Chip provides a different level to this offense than Trey does. From an efficiency perspective, I just not, have not been very impressed with Trey. Um, really through much of his career, even as a freshman, I know he had some really great runs, but uh, primarily that was just Trey getting... You know, getting good, getting clean blocks, uh, taking off for chunk runs. You know, to be fair, his speed is special. He has a special back in a straight line. But in terms of a complete back, I don't think he has good vision. I don't think he has good feel or patience. I don't think he's much of a pass blocker or pass catcher. Um, he's fine at that stuff. However, he doesn't really do it at a pro level, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I, I, it seems like they, they've kept Trey as their RB1 going forward, but it's just or rather had kept him going to this game, and I just don't know that it makes much sense if you're doing so. Um, I, I have to think here your top two backs are Chip and Mayan, uh, with Trey maybe kind of being the 2B to Mayan's 2A. Uh, based on what we've seen so far in their careers, that is the way I would view it. Uh, I just do not think that Trey has the rep-to-rep, down-to-down efficiency you want to see from running back. Uh, Ohio State is not necessarily needing explosive plays out of their running game. They need to move the football to advance the football to take yards given for them. Um, to be able to bounce off one man and turn a four-yard gain to seven or eight. If you were getting that from your rush attack, you were perfectly fine. Um, that is all this team needs to look for, in my opinion, out of the running back position. And I don't think Trey is necessarily better as an explosive option than the other alternatives. Um, it was interesting to me that Evan Pryor did not take a snap after all of the offseason hype. Um, also, Dallin Hayden did not touch the rock. Um, 
kind of interesting there. I mean, they talked about it as a five-man rotation. Obviously, it's unrealistic to ever have a five-man rotation at running back. However, I'm a little bit surprised those guys didn't really touch the ball at all. A um, little confused there, but we'll see going forward. Uh, I, I think we're all hoping for Chip here. I think it's a, a fairly unanimous kind of decision among the fan base <laughs> that everyone's looking to see Chip kind of be the lead back here. He just moves a little different. Uh, you had former Ohio State running backs Maurice Claret and Beanie Wells talking about this on social media after the game. Um, I think every neutral observer who's not already in the, the Trey Henderson partisan camp can see this. Uh, I just don't really understand what is the upside to keeping him going forward. Uh, maybe you could argue he's getting his field back as he returns from injury, but I don't know, man. I don't really see it. Um, I like to see more of Trey Adam going forward. Wide receivers, pretty tough day at wide receiver. I don't have a ton of takeaways here. You know, they barely threw the ball downfield. Um, I, I think Devin, or rather, sorry, Kyle, um, connected on two throws that traveled uh, more than 15 yards through the air. Just not a lot of presence here. Obviously, everyone feels probably a little different if Marv uh, did not step out of bounds during that rep to the sideline. Uh, but I guess the only interesting note to me is perhaps some of the snap counts here. Uh, I guess also targets for Julian Fleming. We know Fleming is kind of the guy who's a possession receiver, works underneath, played 36 snaps, but had uh, six receptions, 58 yards. Um, that is more than Mecca and Marv combined on both touch on both counts. Um, Kind of interesting to me as well, the fourth receiver here in snap count was Carnell Tate. Uh, Carnell Tate played 14 snaps. Uh, uh, Fleming had 36, Abuka 53, and Harrison 58. Behind those top four, you had walk-on David Adolph with three. Uh, Former walk-on Xavier Johnson, who's going to be one of those guys in the 2D ball year, with three. Uh, Noah Rogers took three, and Brandon Innes took two. Uh, Intriguing that Ohio's other receivers, uh, Kojo Antwi, Keon Grays, and Jaden Ballard, uh, and as well as Bryson Rogers didn't touch the field. I don't believe Bryson Rogers traveled with them uh, on the travel roster, but kind of intriguing that uh, Ballard especially was behind uh, what is it, eight other receivers on snap count. Uh, he's been a source of discussion in the fan base pretty frequently. Um, I have come down on the side here of, you know, he can't run routes. Uh, <laughs> he is a straight line speed guy. I don't think he has much to offer uh, as an actual receiver. I think he's a special teams player. Uh, I think he runs a good fly route. I just don't really see what Ballard does. It is not available from other players on this team. Um, I think Cardell Tate is a guy who's going to who's going to see movement going forward. I think you know we talked about how special he looked in the offseason and how much how impressed the other receivers were by him. Uh, him rocking up the depth chart to fourth in the snap count this quickly is fascinating. Um, and I, I think kind of a testament to what to expect from him later on in the year. Uh, I am curious going to see how X's uh, involvement goes going forward, what Innes and Rogers look like, uh, and if Ballard can ever kind of pass those guys back up. Because if he's already been passed by three of the true freshmen, I think we are in for a quick transfer for Jaden Ballard's career here, and he'll be playing elsewhere, not at Ohio State next season. Um, but we'll see that play out more throughout the season. Um, yeah, I don't know. Kind of curious to watch it. Um, tight ends here. You saw Kate Stover get 56 snaps. G. Scott get 25. Joe Royer get 16. And walk on Patrick Gerd get one. Um, Royer, or sorry, not Royer. Uh, Stover did lead the team in receiving yards uh, with 98. He had five receptions for 98 yards. Um, a good day for him in the passing attack. Um, Kate as a run blocker still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, he's just not a consistent run blocker. Some of this is kind of asking, you know, what he's been asked to do. I, I don't think he necessarily 
Um, it would not be realistic with his capabilities as a run blocker, but also some of these things are just effort plays where the guy does not get to his spot on time. Um, he is not doing much more than standing in front of his man. I, I don't think you see a ton of effort from K in the run blocking game. Uh, he had a couple nice ones on Mayans runs, but just not much from him. Um, on a rep-to-rep basis, I don't think he really works that hard at it. I, I don't think you see much from him. Um, the usage was intriguing, and people talk about this the biggest tight end season for Ohio State in quite a while, which may be the case. Um, but nonetheless, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that of him. Uh, and also at tight end two, uh, I was pretty impressed with G. Scott. I thought he really put his head in there as a run blocker. He really got after it. Um, out snapping Joe Royer is kind of telling in week one, but it is just week one. Um, it feels to me like G should probably be the tight end two for the season. I think he offers them a little something different. Um, you know, in terms of pass catching ability that Royer does, uh, Royer is probably the logical, you know, successor next year to play the inline role uh, in two tight end sets as, as G flexes out. Uh, but I think for this year, he should Royer should be tight end three, Scott the second, and Stover the first. Um, no Jelani Thurman. Uh, looking forward to seeing him play. He did travel the team but did not get a single snap. Um, I am looking forward to seeing him in the future and kind of seeing what happens there. Uh, we'll, I'm sure, be monitoring that. But... Yeah, pretty happy with Scott. Stover good in the receiving game, poor in the run blocking game, which is kind of what you expect from him. That just is who he is at this point in time. Uh, it's kind of a known quantity. Um, yeah, other than that, we have offensive line here. Um, the five starters played all 70 snaps. There was no rotation. Uh, Luke Montgomery came in as the sixth blocker on four snaps, which is kind of intriguing. Um, I would have expected that maybe be Tegra, uh, but Luke kind of getting that play early on is probably a testament to um, how they feel he's come along. Uh, I think at this point, you have to consider Luke Montgomery the top tackle option with Tagger the top interior option if someone were to get hurt or get benched. Um, in terms of actual results, the left side of this line was bad. Uh, Josh Simmons, look, I'll admit it. I fell for some of the offseason hype, some of the camp hype from folks who are watching camp. I, I fell for it. Um, I believe them. I believe he actually looked improved. It's pretty clear at this point now that he did not. Um, this is just the same guy that he was in the Mountain West. Um, he is an average group of five player, which leads to being a below average power five player. He does not have an anchor. He can't sit down. He cannot move guys in the running game. Um, he's not a strong enough player. I think the feet and length are still intriguing, but I, I am deeply worried about Simmons going forward. Uh, when we play real teams, right, when you have to play a, a Michigan, a Penn State, a Wisconsin, even a Notre Dame, um, I think it is concerning. Uh, what Simmons looked like in week one. I think the more disappointing function of this was uh, Donovan Jackson. Um, Jackson is supposed to be this preseason All-American, a guy who's pushing for for you know a first or second round draft pick, a, a former five-star who's now in year three. Um, I just don't see it at all. I, I mean, I thought he was absolutely awful on, on Saturday. I don't think he moved that well. I don't think he executed his assignments. I don't think he knew where he was going half the time. I just don't know what you would see here from Donovan Jackson that would lead to you being impressed with this guy or thinking he's the right fit. I, I just don't see any juice from him whatsoever. Um, very, very frustrating to watch him play. Um, just not what you expect from a guy who is one of the two returners to the offensive line. Um, I don't think he's any good. I thought he was the weak link of the line last year, and I thought he was again on Saturday. Um, very frustrating performance from him, and have to hope he gets better you know, very quickly uh, because the ceiling of this line is much, much lower if he's going to be a poor performer. 
Um, I thought Carson Hinsman was pretty good for a redshirt freshman. I was pretty happy with him uh, that he held up well at the point of attack. Uh, the, some of the grades from PFF and others back that up. I thought Matt Jones was perfectly fine at right guard. He did his job. Uh, the right side of the line in general blocked very well. Josh Fryer graded out as a champion, according to Ohio State. He was the only lineman to do so, uh, which is on a great note, uh, considering you know Indiana has one good defensive lineman and one good linebacker uh, and one good safety. That's kind of their whole defense. Um, however... You know, I'll take what we can get here. I thought Fryer was rock solid. He is who he is. I like him a lot. Um, that is a good, a good run blocking tackle who does well enough in the pass blocking game. Um, again, Jones, a very solid player. Pretty similar story. Good run blocker. Fine in the pass blocking. Uh, you know, pass blocking function. Pass pro is okay for him. Carson Hensman, I think, is going to be a redshirt freshman and has some growing to do. But I was pretty impressed with his debut where he was at. Um, left side of line with Simmons and Jackson being these two very experienced players in college football must get better. Um, there is no discussion about it. They simply have to get better. Uh, if Simmons cannot, I assume Montgomery or Tushabola uh, will be inserted to the lineup. I don't know. There's people talking about moving Jacks out to left tackle, which I think is fairly preposterous. He can't even handle guard duties, and I don't think he's going to be any better at tackle. I think his problem um, is effort and quickness. I don't know how much he's going to improve at that when you're your left tackle out there on the island. Um, I don't know. I, I think Jackson, you're kind of stuck with a left guard unless Tegra supplants him. But I would take a long look at Montgomery or even to Shibola. Again, I don't think he's a true tackle, but um, he's played very well at guard when given the chance to and has cross-trained a tackle through the offseason. Um, I would take a look at Montgomery or to Shibola for left tackle. I think sooner rather than later. I think you want to evaluate Simmons these next two weeks, but uh, there's a chance not the guy. I think there's a real chance that he doesn't have the goods for it. Um, I don't know. We're going to find out. I, I think it's pretty concerning how they looked in week one. A um, lot of room to improve here and to learn from. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I am pretty concerned about that left side of the line, especially. Um, really quick here, going to break in talk about uh, Home Field Apparel. Uh, you guys know they are our top sponsor. Home Field Apparel uh, is the Internet's number one vintage collegiate apparel company. Uh, just some great stuff there. A lot of Buckeye gear still for the season. A lot of great work from other teams as well. And if you're a fan of a MAC team or you went to one of those schools, whether it's at the G5 level, the FCS level, um, I don't know, you have a second degree for another Big Ten team or something. A ton of amazing gear across the country. Uh, I am wearing mine right now. I, it's very comfortable. It's very stylish. Uh, I told the story, I think, on the uh, Flipping the Field podcast, but I was actually at an Ohio State bar in New Orleans over the weekend. I was down in New Orleans for a trip with some of my buddies and uh, went to the Mid-City Yacht Club in, in uh, Mid-City, New Orleans. Uh, and I was wearing a home field shirt that a woman there recognized and said she had a home field shirt too. Uh, so we were, we were bonding over a lot of home field apparel. Uh, so folks, we'll see you out. I think it's great. Um, you should get some. The code is meet at midfield for 15% off your first purchase. If you have not gotten it yet, you guys really should. It is time with the season kicking off here to get in gear and uh, get that gear on for you. So, yeah, uh, get some. Enjoy it. Check it out. Um, we will uh, we will have you uh, have you get that out that use that code. Uh, and once you subscribe to meet at midfield.com, I realize I am probably not the most thrilling podcast today. I am uh, podcasting solo, which is not my wheelhouse. I, I, I like someone else to play off of, but I think uh, I think you guys can uh, can appreciate you know the work we do. We, we've published over 150,000 words of conference previews uh, throughout the offseason, uh, going through every single team. Uh, there's 7,000 words in Ohio State, quite a bit on Michigan, on Penn State, uh, on Georgia and Alabama and LSU and Florida State and all these teams you want to see contend. Uh, we did a playback stream yesterday covering the Clemson Duke 
game live. Um, a lot of great content on the message boards. Message board threads are going crazy. Uh, everyone is really active in there, and uh, great come to come, great place to be if you want to come watch the Buckeyes uh, and have someone to talk about it with, who's maybe not a sunshine pumper or a homer, but folks who love the team as much as you do and want to analyze it and get into it, um, and also have probably a little bit of a different sense of humor than you will find on a traditional message board. We would love to have you, so come on down, subscribe. Uh, again, it's meetupmidfield.com and homefieldapparel.com. The code meet at midfield, all one word. Um, all right, breaking the defense here, um, we had five defensive NC playing time, uh, depending on how you count Mitchell Melton. Uh, JT Tumaloa led the team with 40 snaps. Jack Sawyer had 34. Uh, Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson had 17 each, and Mitchell Melton had six. Um, I guess I'll start off with Mitchell Melton there because I'm a little bit surprised by how little the Jack role was used. You know, they raved about him and C.J. Hicks, who had one defensive snap at linebacker um, all offseason, and, and Milton barely saw the field. Um, kind of surprising. Uh, they used him as the traditional defensive end. They did not use the Jack role whatsoever during this game. Um, obviously, we talked about the feud between Larry Johnson and, uh, and Jim Knowles throughout the offseason. It seems like maybe he's carrying out. Maybe Larry won. I don't know. I mean, not using a key position in your defense because the defensive line coach doesn't like it seems pretty absurd to me. Um, and I don't know how that discord is allowed to continue playing on. But nevertheless, um, it's pretty bizarre. Um, defensive ends themselves, I thought Sawyer was kind of a nothing here. Um, I don't really know what he does for this defense. I just he doesn't generate much pressure. Uh, he had one solo tackle on the day, four total tackles. Um, I just don't really see what I'm supposed to expect from him. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't really create much negative plays and get off the ball very quick. He doesn't really have much of a pass rushing tool bag. Um, he's kind of just a big guy uh, who's on the field. I don't know. He's kind of an empty space to me. Um, I was pretty impressed with Caden Curry. Um, I can't say I noticed Kenyatta Jackson very much. I don't think he really did a ton uh, during this game. He kind of just set the edge out there, um, which is also one of my worries as well. And first of all, I should say this. There's not going to be much results in pass rushing uh, for Ohio State. Uh, Indiana barely threw the football. It was a very limited passing attack that ran the ball uh, nearly every down. Um, I mean, they had they had 20 passing attempts, but uh, it, it felt like much fewer than that. A lot of that came in the second half. They were trying to come back. This was essentially an option offense um, that only forced that only threw the ball in obvious passing downs. Um, yeah, but but nonetheless, I mean, and just from a run-stop perspective, I thought Caden Curry was very good. Uh, to me, Curry is clearly better than Sword at this point in time. Uh, High-effort player, a guy's a little undersized, which is very annoying to play against. Is constantly fighting through blocks, turning his feet, never really giving up. Um, very impressive player. He had a tackle for a loss of the day. Uh, I like the way he plays. I, I thought he was very, very good. I thought JT was fantastic. He got the Silver Bullet of the Day award uh, for being the team's defensive MVP. Um, I don't know if I agree with that choice, but I thought he was still one of their best players overall. Very strong day from him. Um, defensive tackle, you had Tyleek Williams leading the way with 30 snaps. Mike Hall with 26. Ty Hamilton just behind with 25. Uh, surprisingly, Jaden McKenzie with 13. Hiro Kanu with 7. And Tywan Malone with 5. Um, this uh, this rotation was kind of interesting to me. One, the fact that Tyleek was apparently conditioned enough to take more snaps than anybody else in the field, despite the constant complaint about his conditioning from insiders and coaches. Um Two, that Jaden McKenzie was the fourth highest tackle on snaps. Um, it had been talked about as being Taiwan Malone all offseason and Maloney and potentially being the first team defensive tackle next to Mike Hall and Tyreek Williams' role, which obviously did not happen as Malone took just five snaps. Um, but McKenzie playing and playing pretty well. He had a nice tackle for a loss. Um, or maybe it was a sack. I forget how they, how they 
recorded it, but uh, really impressed with the way he played, actually. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good out there. Um, and that's surprising because he's been a complete non-factor for his entire career to date. So kind of surprised where that come from. I was a little confused by that, but, but happy to see it for him. Um, the top three were as expected. Um, Malone finishing below Hirokanu and McKenzie in snaps is shocking to me. Uh, there was a lot of hype around him again. I, I just don't really know where that came from. That's very, very surprising to not see him out there. Uh, curious to see how that plays out going forward. I'm sure we'll keep an eye on that. And I don't think it's probably his his best game yet. But uh, Kanu looked good. Hero came in and got a sack. He really blew up the right guard and uh, you know tackled the quarterback while still being blocked. Very physically impressive play from him. He's the kid that came from Germany. I thought always gonna have a little bit of a longer learning curve. Uh, maybe some other players this team, but uh, very impressed what he's done so far. Uh, I liked him a lot, and, and again, that was a big, that was a big impressive performance uh, for me from him. Uh, really liked what I saw uh, out of that guy. Um, yeah, just just uh, six players played here. I think it's probably going to be a five to six man rotation most of the season, and should be four to five most of the season. Um, so yeah, curious to see that plays out going forward. Um, and some of the guys with these camp hype, maybe we're learning a little bit too. Not trust the press clipping so much. Maybe maybe not kind of buy into these insiders. With Kenyatta Jackson essentially being a non-factor while playing. Uh, Tyler Malone only getting five snaps. A few other kind of notes here, which I'll get into. But just um, maybe not worth taking too much stock out of what Ryan Day says and what the coaches say. I don't insiders say as they talk to those guys. I, I don't know how much how seriously we should take all this. Anyway. Um, Linebackers, only four players got snaps. Uh, Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, Cody Simon, and C.J. Hicks. C.J. Hicks had just one defensive snap, which makes one for his entire career now through 14 games, uh, former five-star. Cody Simon had seven, Tommy Eichenberg had 48, and Steel Chambers had 54. Um, yeah, they brought in Simon in the final two possessions uh, once Eichenberg uh, had basically played every snap at Mike throughout the game. Uh, Chambers played every single snap at will. Um... I don't know. I, I don't really know what to say about this here. I thought Eichenberg was good, as he always is. I thought Chambers was fine. I, I don't really think he did much, necessarily. He did lead the team with six total tackles, uh, four of them solo. But I, I don't know. Man. The guy does not arrive at the football very impressively. Right? He's not really much of a striker at this point. I, I thought he really did do that earlier in his career. I thought he arrived with burst and violence to the ball. But, you know, that first game, we saw him kind of doing some drag-down tackles, not really getting guys down on his own, including some smallish running backs. Um, he's fine. I think he is who he is, just like a second or a third team all Big Ten guy without a ton of upside beyond that. Um, I don't think Steele's ever going to be a, a day one or two draft pick, certainly. Um, he's a guy who might sneak into the background of the draft, but doesn't do a ton for me. He's, he's a solid Big Ten player, nothing more beyond that. Um, Eichenberg, again, very solid player, no complaints there. Um, Cody Simon, uh didn't really notice him out there very much. Kind of just existed. It was fun. A couple drives. The game was already over. Um, C.J. Hicks, again, just only getting one snap. <laughs> it's just preposterously stupid, right? Like, you bring in a former five-star. You talk him up all last year, all this year. Um, he plays really well in bowl practices and spring camp. In the spring game, he looked fantastic. Uh, moves at different speed to other players' position. 
Um, you cross train him at Jack to get him reps there. Then you don't use the Jack position at all in the first game. Uh, you know, like just like the usage of some of these guys and the way they deploy them after that's the way they talk about them. I have to imagine it leads to a lot of frustration from the locker room because they are just simply not consistent in the slightest what they say to players, what they say to the media, and what they actually do on Saturdays. Um, it's like there's no plan in place. They just wing it out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want to see play, man. I, I don't know if he's good or not. I want to find out because the way he moves and what we've seen is crazy impressive. The high school tape was crazy impressive. I would like to watch C.J. Hicks play football at the college level. Um, who knows? Maybe we never will. Maybe we'll find out. Um Safety, five players played here. Uh, Jihad Carter was out, um, still banged up, uh, which is intriguing, obviously not a great sign, but he did not get a chance to play at all. Um, basically four main guys. You had Latham Ransom played every snap at 55. Uh, Sonny Styles played nearly every snap. He played 50 of those. Uh, Josh Proctor played 30 at the deep safety spot. He was the starter. And Malik Hartford, the true freshman, uh, rotated in with him for 25 snaps. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty impressed with the way with the way Proctor played. Basically, you know, pro, uh, sorry, with, with the way Hartford played. Proctor actually looked decent as well. He had a nice tackle for a loss. He blew up in the flats. Um, had a pass defended. I thought he was perfectly fine the day. No complaints from Proctor's actual performance. Um, but I thought Hartford, for a true freshman, looked very good as well. Really flied around to the football. Flew around is the word I'm looking for. Um, and I, I think really had some speed out there. I, I am fairly peeved by by the inclusion of Proctor. Um, I understand he's played well in practice, he's a six-year veteran, all these things, but we have seen enough of this guy in big games to know that he can't hang, and I think him getting a tackle for loss against Indiana just reinforces the idea that they're going to let these like shitty games influence personal decisions for the serious ones, and I know Proctor cannot hang in those games. Um, the fact that it's this close on snap count and our performance between him and a true freshman, a top 100 recruit and true freshman, Malik Hartford, um, the answer is clear, right? Like, if Carter's not healthy, play Hartford as the lead guy. Um, it should never be this close between a six-year senior and a true freshman. Uh, and Hartford has made it that close, which to me is an obvious indication that if you give the guy more reps, he will perform in a way better than what you're expecting from Proctor. Proctor's ceiling has already been discovered at this point. He is not getting better as a 60-year player. He is who he is, uh, in my opinion. Um, the high note here is that Sonny Styles was fantastic. Um, he looked really, really good playing both kind of a Sam linebacker and a nickel and kind of that, that I think they call that, um, what do they call that role? I don't know, it's a nickel, but I forget what they call it. Um, he, he was fantastic. I really, really liked what he did. Um, he was the best player on defense to me, just flying over the field, arriving with contact, um, playing well in pass coverage. Everything you need to see from him, you saw. Um, I thought he was awesome. Uh, like the Ransom, I have to say he was mostly in coverage. I really did not notice him, uh, which I think is probably a good thing based on the way he's, his role was asked to play out. Um, I think the final box score for him uh, had him at two tackles, one solo. Uh, that's about it. Um, he kind of was just hanging around out there to give up any big plays. Uh, played well in coverage. Good day from him. Corner. Uh, intriguingly, uh, they had talked about Jordan Hancock being the first team corner, but that was not the case on Saturday, as Davison Benison and Denzel Burke were the two first team corners. Benison led the, the group of snaps with 45 snap. Burke played 38, and Hancock had 27. Um, this is kind of what I expect in the offseason, but again, the camp reports were to the contrary. I am starting to wonder how many of these reports are just like guys being friends with players' families at a certain point because um, 
I don't know. Either the coaches are like lying to the players via camp reps too, uh, or there's just some some reporting out there that's more based on hopefulness than results. Because Igbinasen uh, was the starter. I thought he played very well. He took uh, he almost took a very was a very very stupid early penalty on Indiana's first offensive play, where he was called for targeting. It was later taken off via review, um, but just unnecessary risk for him. Uh, he's an aggressive guy. I like his energy out there. I thought he played well. And Denzel Burke played pretty well. Um, Burke had a nice play in uh, the run game. Um, he also had two passes defended. Um, I don't know. Pr- pretty happy with this group. Abinison uh, made three solo tackles. Uh, he's a big kid. Um, Hancock was was fine as well. Uh, Hancock had two tackles, one of them solo. Um, decent enough player. I, I think it's pretty clear to me. Abinison's the best guy in this group. Uh, Burke is the is the you know returning for his third year as a starter, but. Again, I think he's kind of like Steel Chambers, that he is who he is, which is like a day three pick with limited athletic upside, but uh, a good Big Ten player. I think Ignatius and Hancock have higher ceilings. Ignatius especially has already done at the SEC level, uh, the Ole Miss transfer. I like him a lot. I want to see more of him. Very, very impressed by him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, Hancock's going to play a lot, too. They're going to rotate all three of these guys, but I think Ignatius is the top dog, um, which is kind of what I expected when he transferred in. So I feel pretty vindicated on that one. Um, I guess other than that, um, not a ton of notes, maybe. Um, yeah, I think the group played well overall on defense. Really, really impressed them, actually. Um, let me do the, the total yards per play here, because I think it was something ridiculously low. Uh, where Indiana only had 172 total yards on the day, uh, which is, again, just preposterously low. Um, you don't really see that, even though they had very few possessions. It's still... It's still pretty crazy to see. Uh, just not something you hear a lot. Uh, and that ended them at, at 3.25 yards per play, so about 3.3 yards per play. Um, that's obscene, man. That is obscene to be that good. Uh, it is very, very impressive from Ohio State to, to shut the Indiana down like that. I don't think Indiana has much of an offensive coordinator. I think Walt Bell is terrible. Uh, however, they do have some skill players that I, I like quite a bit with Cam Camper and Jalen Lucas and a few others that I, I think this was... This was still a group that, that could have been dangerous, but Ohio State was very disciplined, uh, played very well on defense, did not allow Indiana to move the football. Um, you know, just a solid group all around uh, on defense of the day. Offense is a lot to improve on, uh, but there are, um, you know, Ryan Day has never had a bad offense yet. We'll see as that goes on. Uh, but overall, very happy with Ohio State's defense and curious to see what the offense becomes as the year goes on. Those were kind of my notes. Uh, we will have the preview episode with me and Kevin both back for you coming out on Thursday in advance of Ohio State's game against Youngstown State. I'm sure we're going to talk more about Ryan Day's comments from his press conferences by then, as well as some expectation of what we want to see. Um, there should be quite a few more backups playing against Youngstown State in the work against Indiana, so maybe learn more about the rest of the roster. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, once again, subscribe to meetatmidfield.com and come join us on the message boards. Take care and talk soon. Bye.